Well, welcome. My name is Crystal. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and we welcome you if this is your first time to Northwest. We are delighted that you're here. And we are going to do, we're going to begin with a little bit of a review for the growth of our church. So we started, of course, with Prodigal, who remembers our Easter production. Yes, amazing. Amazing. Then we just finished with recreation for Christmas. Can we hear it for Christmas? Yes. Very good. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Then we started three new classes this year, which were tremendous. The first one is a, was a theology class called The Thinking Believer. That was excellent. Then we had a missions class led by Nancy Long called Finding Your Go. And then we had a How to Study the Bible class, which was phenomenal. So these are just new classes with the ongoing ones that we have. So we have an excellent education department that is beginning here at Northwest. LifeWorks, this is a program that we have started. Um, it's, it's been phenomenal. It's if you are, it's for people that are underemployed or have very little job skills. It's been tremendous. I believe it, they're in over 100 churches here in, in the Central Florida area, and they have asked us to be an anchor church for this class. So you can see how many graduates we have, how many people volunteering. It's been a phenomenal way for people to get back in the system, back in uh, the job-seeking system, giving them the skills that they need to provide for their family. So we have, this has been a blessing to us. We're, we're pleased to offer that this next year. Mother's Encounter. Uh, do we have any moms that attended the Mother's Encounter? <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal, led by Joy McCubbin and her tremendous team. We, we sought to have a time that we focus on moms and pour into their lives, pour into their vision for family, vision for being a mother, and it was a tremendous time. That was something brand new that we did this year, and we were very, very proud of what God did in the lives of the women during the Mother's Encounter. We started new ministries this year. We, had, we started Youth Night for middle school and high school. It's been going great. And those are tremendously fun. And then Pastor Mark just talked about Kids Unlimited, which is our special needs class for ages 5 to 12. So God's blessing. Northwest app, who's got one on their phone? Oh, most of you. Excellent. That's been a blessing. I was using it last Sunday because I was, had to stay home. I watched online. Our build campaign is chugging, chug, chug, chugging along. Or at, you can see the amount, and you are being faithful with, with what you pledged, and we are so thankful for that. It's a blessing. And so you're going to be hearing us speak a lot this year, this 2018, on God has more for us. God has more for us, because we believe that this is true of this church, of each family in this church, each individual in each family, that God has more for you. I'd like to spend the next few moments talking about how the Apostle Paul is going to position us to enter 2018 with the right attitude and the right spirit. I'm going to take a few moments and read some of his letter to the Philippians, and it's very applicable to us today. I start with verse 7, but before verse 7, the Apostle Paul talks about his credentials. He talks about 
um, his ability, the, the, the things that he went through to be the apostle, how he was, a, what he called himself a Jew among Jews. He followed the strictest adherence to the Jewish laws and to the man-made laws on top of the Jewish laws. He was a zealot for God. And he said, after listing all of his credentials as an apostle, he's, we take it right there. And he says, I once thought that these things, having his PhD, their version of that, being in the top of his field, studying under the best teachers, he said, I used to think that was valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ, experience the mighty power that raised him, from the dead. I want to suffer with him. I just gotta stop for a second and say, I've never prayed that. I've never said, Jesus, I want to share in your suffering. I've never done that. Sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past looking forward. Another translation says straining, which means putting forth effort, straining to take hold of what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race, receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. It's a healthy attitude to have. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Hallelujah. I want, that is my prayer this morning. I want to hold on to what I've already attained. I want to, I want to hold on to it. So Paul points out three different things in this blueprint that we have for going forward into 2018. Let's take a look at those. The first thing I noticed from those verses is that he was very open-minded about where he was at the time he was writing those scriptures. He was very open-minded about the present. He said, you know what? I haven't attained everything that Christ has promised me, everything that I know he has stored up for me. I haven't arrived. I'm not there yet. And I think that's a really healthy attitude for us to have today. He seemed very self-aware, didn't he? He knew where he had come from. He knew where he was headed. But in that moment, in the present, he said, you know what? I know I haven't attained it. I know I have a lot of growing to do. I know I have a lot of learning to do. And I think that's important for us. It's important for me for this year to know I don't know it all. It seems silly to even say that because, of course, we know that. But sometimes I act like I know the truth of every situation or the answer to the problem. And I have to realize I don't know 
I don't know it all. And I think as someone has said, we don't even know the things that we don't know. So Paul says here, in the present, I'm aware, I am very aware that I don't know everything. I haven't arrived. In fact, he makes the declaration, I'm content to be a work in progress. Why? Why does everything not need to be perfect in that moment? Because I am pressing on. I'm not stopping here. If I was stopping here and camping here, if this was going to be the extent of my life, I wouldn't be content. But I am content with what I've done today, where I am today, because I'm not stopping here. This isn't the end. I'm pressing on. So I'd like us to say together, I know I need to grow. Can you say that with me? I know I need to grow. I'll say it one more time. I know I need to grow. You will know the area that you need to grow. You'll know the emotion that you need to strengthen and grow in this year. You'll know the discipline that you need to apply to your life, to your situation this year. It will be different for each of us, but each of us need to realize and have that self-awareness that we need to grow. We need to keep growing. We're fine with where we are because we're pressing on. We're not stopping here. The second thing I noticed about what he said was he was close-minded about what had happened before. Now, this is a very interesting picture. I will explain that in just a moment. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting the past. He was very close-minded about the past. Now, is there anyone here this morning that does not have a past? And by that, I don't mean you haven't lived 20 days. I mean, you haven't made a mistake, haven't done something that you deeply regret, haven't made a purchase you wish you could get your money back for, haven't gone to a place where you said, what in the heck was I thinking, haven't made a friend of someone that you think this is not a good friendship for me. Is there anyone here that has, does not have a past? I'm going to put my hand behind me so you won't think for a moment my hand is going anywhere. We all have a past. The only people that don't have a past are those little babies being cradled in arms next door. And don't you know that even some of the children in children's church already have a past? Already have had things, traumas that have happened to them. Already have wounds. Already have great joys and great sorrows at that young age because of the world that we're living in today. Everyone has a past. So what does this picture have to do with forgetting my past, with what the Apostle Paul is talking about? Now, when I was a child, we never, ever went to the circus. I don't know if there wasn't one around, but I just never went to the circus. And I was always fascinated by the aerial acts. So um, Pastor Mark and I went to Lanuba a couple, a few years ago. I understand it's no longer there, but we went while it was still there. And, of course, the, the, the trapeze and all the acrobatics are just amazing. And those little girls that are, if you've ever been, those little, those little girls, it's, it's amazing. But what fascinated me were the aerial acts. And the trust that needed to take place when you're, as that girl is swinging, she's let go of what was her security. She's let go of what she had, and she's straining 
towards the one that's going to catch her. So that brings me to this point. You can't take hold of your future if you keep hold of your past. You can't strain ahead if you're holding on back here. Think, well, yes, I can. No, you can't. You can't take hold of what God has for you because that's here and going forward if you hold on to your identity, to your mistake from the past. You have to let go of your past. You have to let go of the mistakes you made. You have to let go of the choices that you wish you could take back. You have to let go of successes. You have to let go of accolades. The Apostle Paul made mistakes. Before, when he was Saul, he made mistakes. He tormented the church. He tore families apart. He made mistakes. And after his conversion, boy, did he pile up the accolades. You name it, he had done it. He was the best of the best of the very best. But he said, you know what? I'm forgetting all of that. I'm forgetting the bad. I'm forgetting the good. I'm forgetting the ugly. I'm forgetting all of that because I am going on. And for me to go on, I have to turn loose of all of that. Amen? Amen. It's interesting. Sometimes when you talk with people, you can see that they are stuck in a moment of pain in their past. You can tell by their worldview when they talk. You can tell by the things that they repetitiously talk about that a moment of pain, a moment of hurt, or a moment of success, or a moment of fame has so marked them that even though they're sitting here on December, whatever today is, thank you, they're still at that moment of pain. They're still back of when that happened. They have not let go. They don't know how. They don't know how harmful it is to let go. But I think that there are some of us here this morning that need to know it's time to let go. God has a new identity for you. God has a promise and a future for you. The next thing that we consider when we think about letting go of the past, we limit the work of God today. We limit the work of God today when we limit him to the facts of the past. Yes, that happened to you. Yes, that deep sorrow occurred. Yes, that abuse occurred. But we can't limit God to our past experience because he said that he, we can do all things. He is with us. We're going to talk about how God can help us overcome putting limits on him. The third thing, I want to spend a little time with this. We often define our future by what was said about us in our past. Some of us have documents. Maybe it's stuffed in a drawer somewhere. Maybe it's up on your 
where you keep your mail. And these documents say, one document might say, irreconcilable differences. A document of divorce. Some document might say, filed for bankruptcy, 2017. Some document might say, final notice. You might have another document that says, adopted, birth parent, birth father, unknown. Some of you have documents that are x-rays from the doctor, medical records, prognoses, diagnoses. We have documents that define, that give us thoughts about how we need to act now, how we need to live now, how we need to be. Documents that shape your identity. But the Lord says, I have a document. I have a document that has been written for hundreds of years. And this document says, you are loved. You are wanted. You are qualified. He has a document that cancels out the identity document that you have. Let's see what he says. When you go through deep waters, sister and brother, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, some of you are right in the middle of deep waters right now. Some of you are facing great troubles. His document says, I will be with you. I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. That is his document to you. That is his promise to you. When you walk through the fire of oppression, and oppression here means injustice or mental distress. When you walk through the fire of distress mentally, you're tormented mentally, or you feel like you've been dealt with unfairly, when you walk through that fire, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God says in Hebrews, he will equip you with everything you need to do his will. He says in Ephesians, you are my workmanship. I created you. I have a future for you. I don't care what the documents say in your drawer. I don't care what your birth certificate says. I don't care what neighborhood you came from. I have a document that is truth. And if you'll Believe me, if you'll stand on the word, your whole life will change. There was a story that I'm really fond of, and some of you might already know it. It's about Thomas Edison later in life. He was 67 years old. The year was 1914, so it was just a little over 100 years ago. And he, of course, was a prolific inventor. And he had acquired a lot of uh, property at that time and warehouses and such. And there was a great fire in his warehouse. And his prototypes and his, all these different things were getting burned up. And the fire blazed. It said that at that time there was over $2 million worth of damage. And his son, who was 24 at the time, his name was Charles, it said that he was frantically looking for his father. 
concerned about his state. He's like, this, he's not a young man. He's, he's too old to be starting over. So he frantically looked, and he saw his father standing at the edge of the fire. And as Charles looked at his elderly father, so that he could see his silhouette in the flames, his white hair was billowing. He said, son, where is your mother? Go find your mother and bring all of her friends. She's never going to see anything like this ever again. And he said that the next day his father said, there is great value in disaster. All your mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start over now. And he went on with many, many, many more helpful inventions and things actually working for the government. There's value to what you've gone through. It doesn't feel like it now. The flames will not consume you. The third thing Paul said is he was very single-minded, very purposed about his future. He wasn't going to let his past rob him of the future that God had for him. I don't think that we realize, I know I don't often, that God dreams about you. Well, that's just ridiculous. That woman is, that woman's crazy. That's ridiculous. God has our names. And he dreams about us. He doesn't want our past to rob us of the future that he's planned for us. Your past, your story, gives other people a future. Your past, what you've gone through, your pain, your success, your sorrow, your joy, your accolades, your failures, your past, your story, will give someone else a future. That's what God wants to do with our past. He wants to turn it in to his glory, to, to rescue thousands from the same situation you had. I love this verse in Genesis. I love it. It says, you intended to harm me. And we can all say this. The enemy intends to harm us. We know it from our past. But God intended it for good. God will use our past for many people's future. He brought me to this position. Why? Why did he bring you to the position you are today? Why are you sitting here today? Well, I just kind of wandered in. That's what I do on Sunday morning. He brought you where you are today so that you can save the lives of many people. Well, that's just crazy talk. I'm just a mom. I'm just a businessman. I'm just a... God has a purpose for your story. Um, I, I was, as most of you know, I was raised in, in a, a, a loving home, a Quaker home. And many denominations back in the day, we won't say how many decades, but there's number six is involved somewhere. So uh, women weren't really supposed to preach back then. I mean, you had the rare, the rare bird that, that did, but most, you know, you, you just, and that was fine with me. I've got a behind the scenes kind of personality. And there are even some denominations today where they'll turn their chairs if a woman is in the pulpit. So I never gave it a second thought. 
And the enemy was always trying to tell me, no, that's not me. That's not God speaking to you. No, you, you didn't hear God's voice when, when you thought that. No, that's not, don't write that down. And I would be tormented because I knew that God was speaking to me. I knew I heard his voice. And one day my husband said, honey, I think that you need to start preaching once in a while. And of course that struck an error, arrow of terror in my heart at the time. That was, I don't know, well over a decade ago. And I remember the first time I don't know if any of you, do any of y'all just love public speaking? I mean, there might be a few of y'all out there that extroverts love public speaking, but most people are like, I would rather do anything, chew glass, than stand up in front of people, which is, you know, that's how I felt. And I remember the morning I woke up, and the first morning, and I was sitting right over there, and I remember thinking to myself, because I woke up with this, like, headache that I thought, I've got a brain tumor, that kind of headache, the, the brain tumor headache. And I thought, oh, I can't preach today. I've got a brain tumor. I've got a whatever. And I remember thinking, if I don't do it, I just couldn't let the enemy have that victory. I mean, the sermon was probably just honestly crap. I don't even remember. But I remember thinking, if I have to have the deacons I said this to myself. I would have frightened my husband if I would said this out loud. If I have to have the deacons carry me up on stage, I'm going to at least stand here and look at people and say, God bless you, and sit back down. I'm not going to be defeated like that. And of course, not the rest is history. Good grief. But I mean, I'm just saying. I got over, I got over that fear. But I want to be that person. There was a little plaque I read somewhere. I don't even remember who said it. But it was a lady, and she said, I want to be that when I wake up in the morning and I put my feet on the floor, the enemy to say, oh, no, she's awake. Now, my husband has said that every now and again. Oh, no, she's awake. I haven't. But, no, I want to be that woman that when I'm awake, I'm pursuing God. I'm pressing in. I'm setting people free. I'm, let, I'm setting myself free because I'm not holding on to mistakes or failures or fears or successes from yesterday. I want to be that woman that trains other women. I want to be that woman that trains women to love their husbands, to care for their families, to, to study the Word of God and to apply it for every area of their life, to train women to teach and preach and share the gospel and show the world what a family who serves God looks like. My past is changed because I want your future to be different. I don't want you to have to wait to your sixth decade to do it. I want you to do it in your teens. We have young girls that stand up and give their testimony at Lovely, that stand up and give their testimony at Encounters. That's what I want. I want that for hundreds of women. I want that for thousands of women. I want that for this city. I want the enemy to say when the women of Northwest are awake, oh my God, she's awake. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want that for the men too, but you guys are, you'll get trained from the men, although you're listening to me this morning, I thank you. You intended to harm me, Satan. That was a big mistake. 
You should have left me alone because now I'm awake and I'm waking up other women. That was a big mistake. There's a story of a father and son and they went to the woods and the father needed firewood. So he saw this tree and he thought it was, thought it was dead. Uh, the, the twigs were brittle. There was no light, the leaves had all fallen. So he cut the tree down, had firewood, warm fire, wonderful. Well, in the spring, he noticed that there were buds around the stump. And he felt bad. It's like, oh, man, I didn't know that tree was still alive. It had every indication that it was dead. The twigs were so brittle. I couldn't see any life in that tree. But I didn't know there was life in the taproot. And I cut that tree down, and I'm sorry. He said, son, first of all, never cut down a tree in the wintertime. Second, he said, never make a negative decision in a low time. And to that I say, don't make a permanent decision about who God created you to be based on a temporary time in your past. God has more for you than what your past declares. God has more for you than the documents you have shoved in a drawer that say you're divorced or you're sick or you're bankrupt or you're a genius or you're whatever. God has more for you. Paul said, I, I press on. I don't even let anything in my past. It, it was all good or it was all bad. I don't let it affect me because I am pressing on to what God has in store for me. In Corinthians, it says, let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself to the work of the Lord. We're going to close with this. If you would stand with me. I'm going to have Pastor Mark come out. Our theme is going to be God has more for us. This is, you're going to get sick of hearing it because we're going to say it until you say it in your sleep. God has more for you. God has more for you. If you're visiting today, I know you're here for the baby dedication, but I want to encourage you. God has more for you. Um, this past week, Pastor can join me. My husband can join me. This past week, uh, we had had a frank discussion about some things in our marriage that I was, you know, like, you know how wise we get a bee in our bonnet. I don't know if I'm the only one that gets a bee in their bonnet. You tell I'm from the South. I had a bee in my bonnet. And I was buzzing. I was buzzing. I was buzzing, yes. And so he quietly listened, and the look on his face, I'm thinking, why doesn't he say anything? But he had this look on his face like, I don't know what to say because whatever I say, it's going to go kaboom. So he listened, which was always wise. There's never a wrong thing to do to listen. And, we, you know, we went on about our day. Later on in the day, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I wrote it down. It's in my journal. If you know more, Crystal, because you know so much about marriage and you know so much about everything. If you know more, why aren't you experiencing more? 
I said, I don't know. But I'm going to spend 2018 searching so that my experience can keep pace with my knowledge. I don't want to be one of those people that just knows dry facts about God. I want to be one of those women that have experienced God in such a real way that other people can share it as well. Crystal, if you know more, why aren't you experiencing more? Pastor, you want to go over, I'm going to put this up. We're, this is going to be our declaration. This is our, um, your vitamin, your spiritual vitamin. All of us starting the new year, we've got a whole list of vitamins we're going to take, and that'll last about two weeks for me. And then we've got all these things. Well, this is our spiritual vitamin. A daily declaration. I let go of. It can be something different every day. It can be something different each week. It can be something different. You, only you know what you are holding on to that's stopping you from grabbing what God has for you. I let go of to take hold of. Find a promise from God that is for you that you can stand on and be firm. You know it's for you until God brings the fruition in your life. Pastor, will you pray? For those of you who know you've got to take hold of me, don't let go of the trapeze behind you unless you see the one swinging to you. called timing and there the Bible tells us that there is a right time for everything under the sun and here's how you know that timing is is know what you're leaving to know what you're going to don't don't leave until you see something swinging to you but you've got to know what you're leaving behind so it can happen in a second 